Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 3. With this episode, we begin a new multi-part series about what leaders actually do. So last week, I mentioned that I spent a lot of time pounding on the idea that leadership is mostly about character and who we are. In the MA Strategic Leadership Program at Bethel University, that's the program that I lead, we talk a lot about developing the whole person. As an institution, we put a lot of emphasis on being a strengths-based organization. We pair our students with professional coaches in order to help them to discover how to draw out the best of what God has wired into them. And leadership character matters. I'm not sure we put enough effort into understanding virtues and vices and intentionally pursuing virtues while avoiding vices. That may well turn into another episode for the future, but for now, let me just remind you that character matters. And if we get character right, a lot of other pieces fall into place for the effective leader. But there's more to leadership than just being a nice guy in the Minnesota non-gender specific sense of the word. Nice doesn't make important things happen. There are clearly things that leaders need to be able to do in order to really be an effective leader. You know, a few years ago, I had an important conversation with one of my colleagues who reported to me. It was an important enough issue that I had to interrupt her, so I rapped on the wall of her cubicle. A moment later, she turned around and paused. She then said, wait a second. And I did, for a few seconds, actually. She then said to me, it takes me a few seconds to go from concentrating to paying attention. And I knew exactly what she meant. That was one of the things that I really appreciated about working with Deb. She was smart, she was effective, and she knew how she worked best. She knew that unless she adjusted her brain, she wouldn't be able to hear what I had to say. Her good example is what we're going to talk about in this episode. I thought about positioning this episode in terms of listening, but it's way more than that. When I was a kid, my dad was a lecturer. When I did something I shouldn't, I'd often get a lengthy monologue about why my behavior was wrong. Now, in the spirit of don't hear what I'm not saying, you do need to know that I love my dad. He's gone to glory now, but he was a profound positive influence on me. But when an eight-year-old boy, that'd be me, gets a lengthy lecture, well, my brain meandered off into the lands of imagination and flights of fancy. This allowed two things. It allowed my dad to enjoy his talk, and it allowed me to think about stuff that was way more interesting. And then, at some point, it would happen. Maybe my eyes glazed over, but somehow he knew he had lost me. And he would say, so what did I just say to you? Oh, man, there was this moment of panic as my brain searched quickly through all of my short-term memory, trying to pull enough of what he had just said together to be able to tell him what he had just said. It was like I was recording this 30-second loop in my brain, and I just echo that back to him. <sighs> that seemed to make both of us happy. Once he said, right, 
He went on with his lecture, and I went back to whatever my brain was doing. All in all, not a bad process that we had developed. Now, really, I don't remember much of the content of those formal lectures. Why? Well, this should be pretty obvious to you. I really wasn't listening. Now, I feel obliged to say this uh, at this point. If you're a parent who is prone to giving lectures and you have an eight-year-old kid who is prone to flights of fancy, well, I'd like you to just ignore this story. I don't want to have to apologize to your kid for blowing their cover, and I want you to continue to feel good about those lectures. Everybody goes home happy. But in my case, I kind of have to rebuke that eight-year-old that I used to be. I'm still prone to flights of fancy and wandering down unexplored neural pathways, but I'm much more disciplined about it today. I've had to learn to listen, or better, I've had to learn to pay attention. There are three things that work well for me, and I want to share them with you. I'll go into each of these in a little bit more detail in just a moment, but they are listening actively, ask clarifying questions, and ask yourself the humility question. So let's start with listen actively. Let me be honest, this is not easy for me. When I'm in a conversation, the stubborn Norwegian part of me does not play well with others. I'm prone to listening so that I can provide the final best answer. Or I'm prone to listening while I'm crafting the thing that I want to say next. It's really only been with great effort that I have learned to actually listen to others without trying to one-up them. Sorry, it's true. In a lot of situations, I discourage people from coming to me for answers because, well, I want people to be heard, and I want them to take responsibility for their own decisions. You know, I'm getting better and better at listening and letting people talk through things without having to be the sage and provide answers. Listening can be a fantastic way of learning things that you don't know and benefiting from the expertise and experience of others. That actually is a really good lead-in to the second practice. Ask clarifying questions. Jesus did a lot of this. I heard a biblical scholar say that uh, Jesus asked about 280 questions in the Gospels. I don't know. I didn't count. But I do know that he did ask questions to clarify things. Now, I'm not omniscient, so my questions are more often for me, more often than they are for the other person. But asking a well-crafted question will help bring hidden assumptions to light, and it will help the other person to clarify their meaning and their intention. For us as listeners, a well-crafted question can help us to integrate what we are learning into our own knowledge framework. See, a lot of times, uh, good follow-up questions will be obvious to you. But don't craft them while the other person is talking. It's okay to pause and think during a conversation. Ask for more details, but don't do it in a condescending way. Scrap your arrogance, and remember, you're trying to learn. Even a simple, honest question like, I'm not sure I understand. Can you give me some more detail? That kind of thing can be really helpful in opening up greater depth. Asking questions that show that you are listening is an excellent way of building trust, creating pathways for more conversations, and enhancing your own understanding. If you ever find yourself stuck, it's time to pull out the third strategy. Ask yourself the humility question. 
and what exactly is the humility question? What do they know that I don't know? I ask myself this question fairly often, and it's a good tool in a lot of situations. Even driving, when the traffic in front of me suddenly starts acting weird, what do they know that I don't know? That has kept me out of trouble many times. Clearly, people are responding to something, and this question reminds me to keep my eyes open to figure out what it is. I've avoided speed traps, multi-car pileups, and other road hazards just by asking that simple question. And I've adopted it into my leadership practice as well. What do they know that I don't know can be a helpful way of reminding me that there are other contexts and perspectives than the ones that are closest to me. That's why I call it the humility question. When we're full of pride and arrogance, it's easy to look at people's perspective and say, what an idiot. Asking what they know can be valuable a valuable way to see things, at least to some extent, from their point of view, with their concerns in mind and with their unique view of the circumstances. Now, there's one last thing that I need to remind you, though this doesn't really fit into the three strategies. It's simply this, GCWCID. That simply is, give credit where credit is due. If your great idea comes as a result of your willingness to listen, give credit to the person you spoke to. Don't be a sheep stealer. If you always give credit to the people who contribute to your leadership strategies and tactics, you'll foster their trust and encourage their loyalty. And, lo- and no, loyalty is not dead. But few leaders these days know how to develop it. If you take others' ideas and make them your own without giving credit, that flow of ideas will stop. And if you're a leader, you'll wind up creating a culture of mistrust that no amount of knowledge management will be able to overcome. All the time, GCWCID. Give credit where credit is due. When I say that leaders need to pay attention, it's more than just the ability to listen to others, by the way. You have a lot of stuff to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to market needs, the status of your competitors, the employment front, the educational institutions in your area and what they're up to, the scope of nonprofit entities that are emerging in your area, and any references to your field or your industry. And that's a lot. Now, you don't have to be a news junkie. There's work to be done. There are plenty of sources for all of that information, and a good news aggregator on your phone, your tablet, or your computer will allow you to keep up to date with national and international trends pretty easily. For industry information, sign up for newsletters, publications, and trade journals. If you're relatively new to an industry, ask your colleagues where they like to turn for credible information. Then, subscribe to those sources. If there are trade shows, make an effort to go every couple years if your organization's budget will support it. For local and regional information, join your local chamber of commerce. Attend events. You'll get a good sense of what people are talking about and what's happening at the local level. Most people won't be in your industry segment. But don't forget, you all swim in the same pool. I always recommend reading your local business journals. These are rich sources of information, but they take a little bit of work to interpret Now, for instance, if you pay attention, you can find out which businesses are growing, who's hiring, and which businesses are having their employees hired away. You'll quickly figure out which market segments are thriving 
and which are struggling. I've had people say, our oh, reading those things is a waste of time. It's all about vanity and patting people on the back for job promotions. Yeah, it could be, but think of the meta-learning that can take place. You know, why did Maggie so-and-so leave this company after 15 years and move to a different industry? Was it just the promotion, or did she move to get around the glass ceiling? Hey, whenever you see hirings, layoffs, acquisitions, and mergers, and big capital investments, it's time to roll out the humility question. What do they know that I don't know? And then try to fill in those knowledge gaps. You can't lead well if you're not paying attention to what's going on. We'll talk more in the next few episodes about how to actually do stuff with the things you learn. But for now, remember that one of your key roles as a leader is to know what's going on so that you can make sense of the chaos around you and move your team, your group, or your company forward. Okay, here's where my Christian beliefs show up. I don't really believe in chaos as a thing. I tend to view most systems as complex orders. And when people complain that something is just too chaotic to understand, I usually think, probably not. It may be a complex order, far too complex for us to make sense of, but rarely are things completely chaotic, that is, with no structure or reason behind them. See, as we learn, and we learn how to watch what's going on, we'll get better and better at learning what's relevant and even how to act on it. That makes chaos easier to understand. So add that to your set of practices and put ears open as your list of leadership actions. Good to have you with us this time around. Next time, we'll be talking about leading the team and tending the garden. If you have questions related to the subject matter on Great Ridge Station, use the Twitter hashtag GRSQuestions. As always, keep encouraging your friends and colleagues to subscribe. Thanks. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.